Expose my mind to clarity Oh, my spirit shudders Capture the moment, oh, to keep my sanity And the wisdom rushing in So much clearer everybody welcome back to another episode of oh shoot i'm your host cassidy lynn and welcome to another podcast episode happy monday this episode is going to be a good one i put a little q a box on my instagram story and you guys did not disappoint you had all the questions so that's what we're going to be talking about today there's no like real topic to this episode we're just kind of like firing off questions and then I'm answering them but I think this will be really good because you know there's like a lot of just like random questions that you guys have and I remember like having questions and feeling like I just didn't really know where to get those answers from so I'm happy that you guys can just like ask questions just like one-off questions and I tried to organize them a little bit so that they kind of like flow into each other, but we'll see how it goes. So um, I have some exciting life updates for you guys. First things first, this past weekend, so at this point, it's like a week ago, my sister got married and I was a bridesmaid slash maid of honor slash photographer. So it was kind of like this whole thing, Um, but it was really fun. I literally had so much fun. Um, yeah, just like all the people that were there, obviously like they're like my family and friends and stuff. So yeah, it was so much fun. Basically I did, um, some getting ready photos. So I hired an associate to do eight hours of coverage for me, but eight hours still like wasn't enough. So I kind of did like the beginning of the day and the end of the day. So I did getting ready. Like I did like details and then I did like her actually getting her hair done and actually getting her makeup done, like stuff like that. And then when the photographer got there, that's when she put her dress on and they did photos all up until, um, dances. And then once dances were over and cake cutting and everything, I did dancing photos. And then I did a few like flash photos with them outside. We were supposed to do sunset portraits, but there just wasn't a sunset. So we just did like fun flash photos. And then, um, I did their sparkler exit too, which was definitely interesting because I was just like, my camera was struggling for some reason. I just think there like, wasn't enough like light. And so my camera like was not focusing for some reason. So yeah, that was interesting, but it was a lot of fun. And we literally took Monday and Tuesday to recover because it was just a lot. Like literally we were up until like 4am on Saturday. So yeah, we're finally recovered from it, but it was a lot of fun. And that post, I posted their photos on my Instagram 
it has been like my top performing post in a while. So thank you guys so much for liking that post. It's literally my sister, but um, yeah, I'm sure she appreciates the love. Um, Speaking of the wedding, I actually have a funny story for you guys. (laughs) This has nothing to do with photography, but it's actually the funniest story of my life. So I'm going to try to tell it in a way that, you know, kind of, you kind of like get the vibe. So on the night of the rehearsal dinner, which was like, about a little like more than a week ago it was like 3 a.m that night and I had to use the bathroom so bad in the middle of the night like I just I literally just like I need to pee so I get up out of bed I go pee um like our bathroom is like down the hallway it's like not in our room so I go down the hall use the bathroom and then come back literally like 45 seconds later like I was so quick and I walk into our room and a pillow flies across the room at me and like hits this mirror that's right next to me we have like this full like floor to ceiling mirror it hits it the mirror falls over and lands on top of our bed and I look and Charlie is like like uh crouched and like ready to pounce on the bed and he's like looking at me and it took me a minute to realize he literally thought that I was like some stranger walking into the room so he threw his pillow from behind his head and like whipped it at me. And so I was like, Charlie, Charlie, it's just me. Like, it's okay. And he was so freaked out because he didn't realize that I like got up out of bed and he like heard me in the bathroom. And so he like kind of woke up a little bit and like got a little nervous. But then when I walked in the room, he literally thought I was like an intruder. So that was interesting. Now that like looking back on it, it was actually the funniest thing that's ever happened to me. Like he literally thought he would just throw a pillow across the room and (laughs) stop an intruder from (laughs) like coming in. It's just, yeah, it's just really funny. So that happened the night of the rehearsal dinner. Um, A few like fun little shows that I've been watching recently. Um, I just finished Love is Blind, which I know like a lot of people have been watching Love is Blind, but I just finished it. Even, you know, I'm a little late, but whatever. Um, so good. I, I am a sucker for a good reality TV show. So I was hooked. I also just finished a documentary last night. Um, it's called Stolen Youth. It's on Hulu. Um, very interesting. If you're kind of into like more of that true crime type of stuff, it's a really good documentary. It was very like, you know, jarring and kind of scary. Like I was literally scared watching it, but um, yeah, it's crazy. And yeah, it's just an absolutely crazy story. Um, my next wedding that I have to shoot is actually in Cabo and that is a little less than two weeks from now. It's like May, like not the first week of May, but the second week of May. And I'm so excited. Never been to Cabo. So that is like what I have my eyes locked in on now. I'm like, going to do some Cabo shopping, get some cute outfits. Like you guys know I'm doing photo shoots while I'm there. Obviously I have like a wedding there, but I'm going to do like cute shoots. Okay. So I'm getting ready for that. Um, another exciting thing that I posted on my Instagram story was I actually got my first ever YouTube sponsorship this past week, which is very exciting. I've been working on posting on my YouTube a lot. Um, you know, I post all my podcasts there, but also like, I don't know, just like random videos, whatever, like YouTube shorts. So I got my first YouTube sponsorship, which is exciting. I don't have like a ginormous presence on YouTube. Like my videos get like 500 views or whatever, but it's better than nothing. And something I've been wanting to do for a while. So I'm just, yeah, 
I'm just applauding myself right now. <laughs> and that's all I have for life updates. I have another thing I want to share, but I don't think I'm going to share it yet because it's like, it's not time. I'm not ready to share it. So I'm just going to move on from it and keep you guys guessing. Okay. So we're going to get into some of these questions that you guys have. Um, we are all over the place with these questions. We have marketing, shooting, like you guys asked me a lot of like personal, but like personal business questions, editing clients, and then like backend questions. So that's kind of like what we're going to be covering in case you guys want like a little bit of an outline. So we're going to start by talking about marketing. As you guys know, I love marketing. So we can talk about this all day. Um, the first question is the best real slash TikTok ideas for when you're first starting out. I really believe that there there's quite a difference in content from when you're first starting to post on reels and TikTok versus like after you've been doing it for like a year, even two years. So um, the difference is when you're first starting out, you have to try everything and see what sticks. So you have to experiment with a bunch of different types of videos. A lot of people, especially right now in the photography industry, when it comes to video marketing, a lot of people are pulling old behind the scenes videos that they have just from like past shoots and then putting them into a video. So taking a behind the scenes video from forever ago, putting it into a video and then flashing like five edits at the end and like maybe a little bit of text on top and that's it. And that, that kind of used to like do really well, but I feel like right now, like everyone's doing that. So I would probably recommend if you can stay away from something like that, unless it's like a shoot that is like super trendy or like, you know, like it gets lots of traction every time you post it. Like people love this concept, like definitely do it with that. But like, I'm finding a lot of photographers are, I mean, they're just posting at this point just to post, just to say like, oh, I post a reel a day, but it's not like the reels are really like quality. So I would say if you are first starting out, definitely focus on quality. Even if you're only posting, let's say, you know, every other day instead of every day, quality matters. Um, I would mess around with a few different like concepts for your videos. So maybe um, like an editing process video, maybe you do like a green screen video where you're kind of explaining each of your photos. Maybe you do just, just a talking video of just you talking. Um, maybe you do a video of you posing and you like have footage of you posing and you show like different poses. Those are just five ideas, but I feel like those are a little bit more on the unique side instead of just like the classic, here's a video of the shoot I did. And then here's the result. I feel like people are really over that right now. So start with just like, okay, I give you five ideas, start with that. And then the next week figure out, okay, like this one performed well, this one performed well, let me do two posing videos and two green screen videos this week, just to see like, you know, what content, like, you know, if green screen actually is performing well, or maybe it was just the audio that I used, whatever. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say for TikTok and real ideas. If you're just starting out and kind of along the same lines, how do you get clients when you're first starting out? I feel like this is the million dollar question. And if everyone just knew the answer, like 
I feel like we just wouldn't be here. You know, we wouldn't be listening to a photography podcast on how to grow your business if it was as simple as here's an answer for how to get more photography clients when you're first starting out. Like it is, there are so many different ways to get clients and each different method sticks with like different audiences. So like, for example, if you've done a lot of shoots and like, but like, you know, you're just not really booking on Instagram, let's say, but you, you have like, you've done a lot of shoots. I would say focus on like word of mouth. If your Instagram really just isn't hitting like you, you're putting in work, but it's just not, you know, just not getting traction, whatever. You don't have to focus on Instagram. Like I would go and focus on word of mouth and giving a great client experience. So then you grow that way. Like there are so many businesses that grow from word of mouth. Like you do not need social media to grow your business. Okay. So I feel like that's the first thing is like, you don't need social media to get clients. However, social media is a great free tool to get clients. So I would probably say focus on like two different things, focus on word of mouth and focus on Instagram or focus on, um, word of mouth and TikTok or Pinterest or Instagram and Pinterest, like focus on just two areas and really put a lot of time and effort into those areas. When I first started out, a lot of my clients were from actually my first year of weddings were 100% word of mouth. And then I started posting on my personal Instagram and that's when I started to get a few more bookings from Instagram. But even my second year, like I would say half of those bookings still were word of mouth. It was like the, you know, my fifth wedding ever was this bride and then her sister went and got married and then I did that wedding too. So yeah, I, I feel like you really just, you can't rely 100% on social media for getting clients. So focus on a few different areas. And remember if something's not working, you don't have to keep doing it over and over again until it works. Like there might be a reason it's not working. So if your Instagram is just not getting you clients, you're going to have to change something in your content, in your mindset. Like you have to change something in order to see a result because doing the same thing over and over again is not going to work. Okay. So I just need to tell you guys that it's a great question and I hope I give you a few little answers to help you. So the last question we have on the topic of marketing is I'm feeling lost on what to post to grow my social media following any tips. (laughs) I feel like this is right along the same lines as what we've been talking about. Um, I I do want to start answering this question by saying like I just said, you do not need to grow your following in order to book. And, you know, people with 300 followers can still book clients from Instagram. You know, like you don't, you don't need to have a massive following to book. So in this case though, you feel lost, you want to grow your following. How do you do it? I mean, you really have to be so observant on social media. You have to be super active in order to know what's trending, to know like the format of the videos that perform well. You need to be super active to keep your audience engaged. So that means posting like five to 10 stories a day, posting a video or feed posts every day or every other day. Like you have to be really, really active. If we're talking about TikTok, you need to post multiple times a day on TikTok, but Instagram is a little more chill and you can do like multiple times on stories, but just like every other day for your feed or reels. 
Um, so consistency is going to be key. If you are being consistent and you're like, bro, I'm still not seeing results. That means there's something that needs to be changed within your content. So maybe that means you are not showing your face enough. I feel like 99% of the time people just aren't showing their face and they're like, why, why am I not growing? But like, also you've never shown your face on your page ever. So like show your face. That's a huge one. Show your face way more than you think you need to. A lot of people, when they're looking to book a photographer, they're looking for connection and they're going to feel connected with your brand when they see your face, they see how you talk, how you communicate, like that's what they're interested in. Yeah. They care about your photos, maybe 50% of it, but ultimately they want someone that they're going to feel comfortable with someone that they like, feel like they, you know, know, they know what they look like. They know what you act like. They know like how you communicate and talk. Like that is so important to people. And honestly, I wouldn't book a photographer if I didn't know what they like looked like and sounded like and how they communicated. Like I want to see those videos on social media of you talking and explaining your process and all of that. So that's another great way to grow is just by being yourself. You need to be um, like, what is the word that I'm thinking of? Like you need to be a presence on social media that can't be replicated. And Part of that is really easy because you as a person, you are unique and no one can be you, but you need to translate that over into your social media because people like uniqueness. What are they getting out of your social media that no one else is giving to them? Okay. That is what you want to think about when it comes to growing your social media pages. Okay. We're going to get into shooting. So we have two questions on shooting. First question, how do you get a super moody photo in daylight? Is it camera settings or is it Lightroom? I included this question because it's super interesting to think about. Um, you know, when you think of moody photos, you think of like nighttime photography, but I, I personally also sometimes think of daytime photos as well. So the first thing that pops into my head is pose and expression that right there is going to help you achieve a moody look. A lot of the times moody is like not smiling, kind of like serious vibes. And the pose is a little bit more like editorial or just unique. So like back to back with like eyes closed, serious face, like that is more of a moody pose to me. So you can definitely get that in the daylight. It starts with the pose and the expression. I also think the lighting has something to do with it as well. Um, so think about daylight. Um, moody, I feel like sometimes equals drastic lighting. So lighting that is not typical, which means maybe you're putting your subject in like, you know, the sun is going to like half shade their face or something. You're going to create a little bit more of a shadowy look. That to me is a little bit more moody. Or you're going to do something that a lot of people don't do, which is shoot you know, with the sun directly on your subjects instead of backlit. Um, moody can be a lot of different things. It kind of depends on how you define it, but I'm kind of using the word moody as like, um, unique or different or a little bit more artsy is kind of what I'm thinking. I would say half of it is shooting. So like I said, pose, how you have your subjects lit, maybe even a little bit of angle too. Like you're a little bit 
more of a downward angle or maybe you like come a little bit more on top and get like, you know, different stuff like that. And then I do feel like Lightroom impacts the end result. But I think it has to start with like a moody photo that was shot moody and then it translates over into Lightroom where then maybe you add a little bit more grain, you make the exposure a little bit darker than usual, whatever it is that you define as a moody edit. Um, The only other thing I can think of when it comes to moody photos in daylight is having those like lens filters on your lens. I know that there are different filters that you can use that give you different vibes. Like there are haze filters and kind of like, um, I don't know, there's like literally filters that actually are a little bit darker and kind of give you a little bit more of like a darker moody look. So that might be something to look into as well. Are those like filters that go over your lens? So the next question we have for shooting is how do you get crisp photos? Oh, question of the day, because I literally (laughs) at my sister's wedding, I feel like my photos, like I was really struggling hitting focus, like just in like the flash time and like the low light time. So I was really struggling getting photos, crisp photos recently, which is why this kind of hits home. Um, Getting crisp photos. There's a lot of factors. Um, An obvious one is aperture. If your aperture is too low, you know, you're going to create more blur on the rest of your subject. Um, you know, there's going to be less in focus with your aperture lower. So I usually am shooting around F 2.0 or F 2.2 or something, which gives me just enough in focus, but I still feel like I get that nice blur in the background. That's going to help you with crispness is not shooting at the lowest aperture possible. If you do that, you shoot at the lowest aperture possible. You're going to get a little bit of blur in your subject in different areas, which sometimes is the vibe. We were just talking about moody photos. So like maybe that is the vibe you're going for. Another thing is using autofocus continuous or um, I think it's called AI Servio is what it's called on some cameras as well. Basically, just making sure your camera is continually continuously tracking your subject as your subject moves around and it's not just tracking focus on one shot and then that's it I don't honestly even know why one shot focus exists because it's literally like (laughs) I don't know it just I've I've accidentally shot on one shot focus before and it's just so weird. I just don't understand why you would use it, but whatever. Um, so that's one thing that you can do. Um, another thing to get crisp photos, I know it's not going to be what you want to hear, but I'm going to say it anyways, mirrorless cameras, bro, like they have the best autofocus ever. Eye tracking is spectacular. Like you just, you can't like, you really can't get that same crispness on a DSLR camera is what I've discovered. You can definitely get crisp photos on a DSLR camera, but it's easier. Like just the ease of getting it on a mirrorless camera is just like, you know, it it is what it is. The technology is just better in a mirrorless camera as far as eye tracking goes. It's just how it goes. Another thing, last thing I'll say about this, um, you just changing your focus mode. So shooting in autofocus, but shooting in like manual spot autofocus. So you can kind of move a spot around the screen and you can choose where you want the camera to autofocus. So that's going to help you a lot with making sure that your little box is on your subject's eye. And then it's like so easy to just get a crisp photo. 
Okay, we're going to jump into some personal questions. So these are still photography related, but they're kind of just like geared towards me, I guess. I I don't know. So the first question, what do I still struggle with in my photography business? So surprise, surprise, I, I do still struggle with things, guys. <laughs> so yeah, I know you guys think I'm like this perfect person that doesn't struggle with anything, but I definitely do. Um, something that I still struggle with in my photography business, I think it's FOMO specifically with bookings. Like I still have such a hard time telling people like, no, I'm booked for 2023. Like, no, I can't take any more weddings, even though you have the most amazing sounding wedding on the face of the planet. Like I, I literally just can't handle anymore. That is really hard for me. Like I literally had a situation this week where I'm like, I just can't book any more random sessions during the summer. Like I just have too much going on. And I just felt really bad because like the person just, yeah, like they had like a really cool session and they like were really bummed. And yeah, that's just something I I personally really struggle with because it's like, I want to give 100% of my time to doing sessions all the time and capture everybody all the time. But it's like, I also have a life and I need to live my life. (laughs) So I really struggle finding the balance with that. Okay, next question is, which trends would I like to see more of in 2023? That's a really good question. I, okay, is it like photography trends or wedding trends? Maybe I'll just do like photography trends. I would love to see more of like artsy documentary style. So like you're not just using blurry photos when you're doing portraits of your couple. You use blurry photos when you're doing detail shots too. Like you're, I would love to see like a little bit more of like the, you know, like those out of focus shots, those like blurry things that are like, you know, it's such an art and it's so fun. I would love to see that carried into like an entire wedding day to like multiple parts of a wedding day. Um, so that's something I would love to see more of. I would love to see more color in 2023. I think it's a trend that's like happening more and more, but like, I just don't want to keep seeing like this, like, like the most neutral wedding ever. Like, I feel like color is just so fun. Like I would love to see more colorful flowers and like colors and like the decorations, like the tablecloths and like everything. Like, I feel like that would be a trend that I could really get behind. Yeah. I think that's really all I have to say about that. What is the most challenging shoot you've ever done in your entire life? I really had to think about this. Um, uh, I feel like two shoots come to my mind. One shoot is the shoot that I did indoors. And it was like 100% the, it was like the darkest hotel so hard to shoot in and like I could only use natural light because like I got yelled at for using my flash in there so it was really 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 challenging and like there were people everywhere um I just remember leaving the session and feeling like wow (laughs) like I don't know how those photos turned out and they turned out good but I I don't feel like it was my best work and I felt that while I was shooting too Um, yeah, that was really, really challenging. And also like 
the girl was like sick and like you could tell that she just didn't feel good. And yeah, all of it combined was like really, really challenging for me. And another one that comes to my head, it was, um, a proposal that I did where I forgot to charge my batteries before. And I had two batteries. One was at 15% and one was at like 10%. And I had to shoot a proposal and I was so nervous that one of my batteries was going to die. So that was very challenging, like mentally, because I was so scared. And yeah, I just, I felt like my camera was going to die at a very important moment. So yeah, that was probably another really challenging shoot that I did. Today, we're excited to introduce Batch AI, the photo editing assistant for wedding photographers that keeps you in control of your photos while providing an affordable, flexible, and fast alternative, regardless of where you're at in your photography business. With the perfect balance between AI and human creativity, say goodbye to cookie cutter presets that don't reflect your style. Edit up to a thousand photos in just one minute with the image to image fine tune adjustments in their Lightroom Classic plugin, or get an incredible 72 hour turnaround on culling, editing, retouching, and tool work across your wedding galleries from their human-based editing platform, The Editors. Personal edits based on your style every time. Visit Batch.ai today and create your free account. All right, so this next question, do you take your camera to friends and family events or outings? So I don't. I have like a mini camera. I'm actually recording this podcast like for YouTube on my little mini camera. It's the Sony RX100 camera. And if I were to ever bring a camera to something, it'd be that camera. Um, unless it's like something that I really need professional photos for, or like, I just want to remember it. Like I'm not like adding extra work on myself. There, there was a point when I first started in photography where I was doing that, but yeah, I just, I personally don't. I think it really helps you establish that line between work and life. Um, And, you know, there have been times where, you know, I was flying into town for like a family reunion and like I was asked by an aunt to bring my camera and take photos of the event. And I was like, respectfully, like, I'm actually not going to do that because that's my job. And if, you know, everyone else gets to not work on this day, I also would like to not work. And they were totally understanding, you know, and I think that is an important line to set for yourself for sure. Um, you know, maybe play like things like Christmas, you know, different times where it's just like, maybe you're grabbing like a family photo or something like then I could see myself bringing my camera, but only for like literally like a posed photo. I'm not like getting candids or anything. Um, this next question is very good, very well thought through. Um, if you only had one day a week to work on photography, what would I focus on? This is literally a genius question because it's basically asking what is your priority when you're working on photography? What is the one thing that is going to like make a difference? So if I had one day a week to work, I would outsource all of the things that someone else can do. So I would outsource my editing, posting to social media, maybe a little um, culling and client communication, emails, invoicing contracts, all of that I would outsource. If I had one day a week, I would focus on big picture items, like things that are going to grow my business 
big picture. So I'm doing like those things that you dream about, whether that's, let's say it's like starting a photography studio or whatever it is that you want to do. Like that is one thing that I would work on. I also would film content because that is like one thing that no one else can do. So I would film it. But if I only had one day a week, I probably would send that off to be edited by someone else too. So I would work on that. Um, yeah, I, I mean, maybe I would work a little bit on like just client experience too, maybe just like making sure my clients are taken care of. Um, but like, like I said, a lot of it, you can outsource. I would focus on the things that only I can do. Like no one else can do them. Um, and the last personal question we have, how do you structure your work at home to avoid a million side quests during the day? (laughs) Bro, I like, I can picture exactly what this person means by side quests. Like if you're, if you're sitting and like you're staring at your sink while you're working and you just see like dirty dishes sitting there, like the side quest is going to be doing the dishes. So I totally, I totally get it. So something that I have the privilege of doing is having my own office and like, this is my office. Nothing else happens in here, but work. Like I don't hang out in here when I'm done working. Like this is just my office just for work and nothing else. So I'm able to close the door and everything in my office, like, like it's pretty much a not distracting environment on purpose. Like I don't have a bunch of different things to like worry about in my office. Like I want it to be just like a very chill place where I feel like I can work and like focus. Um, if you do find yourself not having an office, most, most of you probably don't, let's say you sit at your dining room table or something, you have to make sure that your space is like tidy and in place. Um, so everything, like nothing is distracting you visually. You also have to make sure that you are scheduling yourself time to work on work, but schedule yourself time to work on house things. So if laundry is something that I need to do today, I'm recording my podcast right now. Let's say I finish at noon, then I'm going to go and do laundry from noon to one. And then at one again, I'm going to pick back up with work. So you really have to schedule things out to make sure that you get everything done that you want to, but that you're not like wasting your work time doing things that you don't need to be doing. You know what I mean? So eliminate the visual distraction, schedule yourself time to get things done that you need to. Um, it might even be like you wake up an hour before work. So let's say you want to start work at nine, you wake up at eight and you spend 30 minutes getting ready. And then you spend 30 minutes doing the dishes, cleaning up your house and just making sure everything is done. You're taking out the trash, whatever it is that you need to do, get all of that done. So then at nine o'clock you can sit down and like your mind isn't wandering to those other things. So that might be something that could help you. Okay. We have some editing questions now. What is the best way to organize your photos in Lightroom? That's a really good question. So when it comes to Lightroom, I don't do much organization other than just like, I have them all cold beforehand, which is a layer of organization itself. So basically I cull and sort all of my photos in photo mechanic before they even make their way into Lightroom. So in Lightroom, I know that every single photo that's in there is ready to be edited. Like this is a photo I've chosen and needs to be edited. If you wanted to take a step further, I would recommend like if it's a wedding that you're 
you have in Lightroom, organizing it by like the time of day. So like all of your getting ready photos, create a collection in Lightroom for just your getting ready photos, create a collection for family photos, for bridal portraits, for um, wedding party, all of that, like create collections for all of those different types of photos. It makes it easier to like sync all of your settings across the board too. Um, so if I really wanted to be like super mega organized, I probably would do that. The next question kind of leads into that past question. How do you store your images? What is your editing organization? So I'm just going to walk you guys through this super quickly. I store all of my Lightroom catalogs and all of my photos on external hard drives. So I plug the hard drive into my computer and then I am able to access the photos and the Lightroom catalog. It's all on there. Um, what I do is I basically store all my photos on the hard drive, cull all of them, and then put the cold image, cold images in a separate folder on my hard drive. Okay. So at that point, then I create a Lightroom catalog, import just the cold images, and I'm importing them directly from my hard drive into the Lightroom catalog. So I have to have my hard drive plugged in in order to edit. So I'm not adding the photos anywhere on my computer whatsoever. And then from there, like I said, I just go through and edit all the photos because they're all cold already. Um, so yeah, that's my process. And the next question is just how to get editing consistency with changes in season. Um, ultimately, if your landscape is changing, like you're going to see changes in your photos. You know, if you go and shoot in Arizona and it's all red and brown rocks, and then you come and shoot in Ireland where it's like green everywhere, things are going to look different. Like the background, the landscape is different. So if changes are happening in your season, most likely it's changes in the landscape, it's snowing, and then, you know, then it's like summer or whatever. So the thing you're going to want to look for is skin tones. So looking at how like the tone of the skin that you're editing, like look at those underlying colors and like, is your skin tone like really orange or is it like, you know, a little bit more neutral? That's something you want to look for and make sure you're staying consistent with snow versus, you know, grass or fall, whatever it is. Um, look at your skin tones make sure those are consistent. It also helps to just use the same preset for all of your sessions, everything, use the same preset. That's the bare minimum that you can do because that is going to give you consistency. If you're using the same preset, like no matter what you're shooting, the edits at least going to look the same and the skin tones will look the same. Like everything will look the same, except the landscape is changing. If you are dealing with changes in season and you want to maintain the same landscape, like the same colors in the landscape, you're really going to have to work to figure out like, you know, like shooting at different places that give you the same vibe the whole year. So like open sky or downtown with like buildings and stuff, like things that don't really change or don't really impact, you know, like aren't changing with all of the seasons. That's like a really, <laughs> that's a hard question, but I think you also just have to be comfortable with changes in season. You know what I mean? Okay. So our next question is, these are three questions related to clients. 
we love problem clients. So let's get into it. How do you deal with clients editing the photos before posting posting them, Facetune or re-editing them? So it should be in your contract that your client is not allowed to do that. Okay. For some people, even if it is in a contract, they literally could not care less. Okay. So you have a few options. If it's in your contract and you know, they've agreed to it, but they're still doing it. Um, if it's re-editing with different colors, I definitely would reach out and be like, Hey, um, this is what our contract says. You can't do that. Like, um, I just like approach it very kindly, give them grace. And most likely they're going to be understanding. Um, you know, if they do have a problem with edits and they want the photos to look a different way, that's something that you can work on with them. Like maybe you give them 10 photos from their session where the colors are brighter or whatever it is that they want to change. If your client is face tuning the photos, that's where it gets a little tricky because face tune is more than just like, I don't like the colors in the photo. That is more like, I don't like the way I look in the photo, which is really tricky because you are not that person. You don't know what they're insecure about or whatever. So I, if someone's face tuning a photo and it's not like drastically changing your edit and you know, it's not like super obvious or like horrible looking, you know what I mean? Like, it's not like they're editing something where like the whole background gets distorted, then I'd be like, okay, maybe you shouldn't do that. But if it's something like, I don't know, they're making their waist smaller or, you know, they're touching up their acne or something, I probably would just leave it because that is just a really touchy subject. And I don't want to be that jerk. That's like, oh, you don't like the way you look. That's too bad. You have to keep the photos the way they are. Um, like I, I'm just, I'm not the person that is going to be able to heal all of their insecurities. Um, so yeah, it's tricky, but that's kind of like where I fall on that question. Do I give client gifts? Do I text my clients? Do I give client gifts? I used to, I don't anymore. Um, I think it's great when you're first starting out or like if you're, you know, just really building your client base. I find myself not shooting as many weddings and sessions as I used to. Therefore, like getting those wedding and session weddings and sessions isn't as hard for me. And I don't need to like send a million gifts and you know, yeah, I just, I don't really feel like it matches up with my workflow anymore, but I used to, and it was really effective and people really liked it. And I think it's really great for client experience. So if you're trying to grow your client experience, definitely would recommend do I text my clients? Um, I would say 20% of them I text. Basically all of my communication is an email and I will give them the option to like text me if it's like the day before the session or something. But for the most part, I try to keep it with an email or if someone is texting me, sometimes I refer them back to my email because that is like best for me, you know? So yeah, that that's how I feel about texting clients. If you want to text your clients, that's great. Sometimes texting is great for some people, not great for other people. So it's all about like finding comp. All right. So we have three more questions. This is about the back end of a photography business. 
So this person asked, how do you set up getting paid? Do you get paid in full or in half at each stage? So everyone does this differently. I find that doing like a retainer or a deposit first and then doing the remaining payment like a week before the session is usually what works best. In HoneyBook, my clients can set up auto pay, which is super easy. They can, you know, they don't have to worry about making that step, the second payment. It just automatically like gets pulled from their account. Um, I find that is helpful because the retainer just like gets, gets me locked in, gets it on my calendar. Um, yeah, it's just, it's a good security blanket for me. Um, some people do like getting paid in full, but, um, it is very, very rare that I do getting paid in full for weddings. I do, um, a retainer fee and then they just pay the remaining balance 30 days before their wedding. So it's a little different from a session. Um, but yeah, for the most part, it's always the, the payment is always split up. I always do a retainer just as like a safety net and, in my contract, my retainer is like non-refundable. So that's kind of like just for my time if something does happen and they do cancel. Have I ever been in trouble with the IRS? It's my biggest fear. I try to do everything right, but I never want to get in trouble. No, I have never been in trouble with the IRS. At least I don't think I have. Um, I mean, yeah, it's scary, but I think a lot like you every single person in America has to deal with the IRS like everybody does so I mean yes it is scary but if you are doing everything in your power to make sure you're doing everything right like you literally cannot do anything else um my recommendation would be to go to an accountant when you need to file your taxes just to make sure that you are doing everything and answering everything correctly. Having a professional that knows what they're doing is can definitely like put your mind to ease for sure. Um, so yeah, that, that's a great thing that you can do if you're feeling a little bit scared about taxes. Um, yeah, but for the most part, like if you are just being honest and reporting everything, like, that's really all that you can do. And like saving money, if let's say you do make a mistake, let's say you do like, you don't, you don't realize you have to pay quarterly taxes or something like that. There's, there's always going to be an opportunity for you to make that up. So you forget, like you don't realize you have to pay quarterly taxes. Well, by the end of the year, you're just going to have to pay all those quarterly payments at the same time. There might be a little bit of a penalty too, but it's not like they're going to come and drag you out of your house and take you to jail over that, you know? So I feel like there's always a little bit of grace. Yeah. There's penalties, but like, I don't know. Money, money comes and goes like, don't let it take up your mind space. You know what I mean? But like, obviously be honest because if you're not honest, they will find out. <laughs> okay. Last question. How to know if it's time to invest in SEO and copy for your website? This is a really great question. Um, I think if you have the money to reinvest into your business and you're thinking about doing this, it is such a great investment. I really feel like it makes such a huge difference with booking for sure. Um, you know, a lot of people are deterred from photographers' websites because they don't have like the right words to kind of like 
get people invested and get people to want to reach out to you. So I 100% think it's a good investment. When is it time to do it? Um, I would say like maybe your stage two website. So like your first website as a photographer, most likely is just going to be very beginner, like basic, doesn't have to be anything crazy, but it's just a place to direct people. Then your second website really should be like, you should work on getting branding done. Um, you know, it should be like a really great template and I would say get SEO and copy done for your website for sure. Um, I did SEO and copy for my second website and it was so worth it. Um, it just kind of puts your mind at ease and you just, you're not just going to be staring at a screen all day wondering like, what should I write? What should I say? Because like, there's a professional out there that knows what phrases can convert people and like what, what's the right thing to say. I definitely think it's going to elevate you above all the other competition for sure. So phase two website maybe. And like, if you have like the money to invest in it, definitely do it. It's going to help you with booking. Like same with like just having like a good designed website, like a well laid out website that in SEO and copy, like those things are only going to help you book more. Like I know it feels like such a huge investment because it is, but like it really pays off. Trust me. Every single person I know that's completely redone their website and paid a professional to like do website things for them. No one has regretted it. Everyone's been like, yeah, I book a lot because of it. It just makes you seem way more professional. So 100%, I would recommend doing that. Okay, guys, those are all the questions I have. I'm so glad that you guys are curious about so many topics and I hope you like this episode. We've got some fun guest interviews coming up in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for those. I'm super excited to introduce some fun people to you guys, but yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks for being here and have a great rest of your day. Exposure. All of the highlights and the shadows is my composure All the layers above, all the edits and tweaks, I know her I am so done, need more time developing in my bedroom It doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand Whatever the moment, wherever we stand, I'm taking it doesn't matter wherever I am on the top of the mountain or down in quicksand Whatever the moment, wherever we stand I'm taking you, taking you, taking you Getting a little bit higher With different step I take, I'm getting good Getting a little bit better, I'm climbing to the top Never gonna stop, I'm getting Never go